0: As we begin today talking about hearing the voice of God, watch this. One thing we know about God the Holy Spirit
1: is that he has spoken throughout history to his people. In the scriptures, we read about Abraham, who received God's promises. We read about Moses, who encountered God on the mountaintop, and whose face it was said, shone like gold. We read about the prophets and the apostles and the amazing connection they had with the Holy Spirit. But the question is, does the Holy Spirit speak to us today? As we go through our lives, working, building, resting, and then doing it all over again, Does God have anything to say to us? And if the Holy Spirit speaks,
0: why isn't it more obvious? Well, I have a lot of people ask me that. Why don't we more obviously hear the voice of God? And it's a question we're going to respond to this morning, and just how we tune our ears to hear the voice of God. Because the most important of all factors in your future is not your background, it's not your education, not what other people have to say about you, even your own opinion of yourself. most important factor in your future is learning to hear the voice of God and distinguishing it from all the other voices in your life. Because if you were to tell a doctor that I'm hearing all these different voices in my head... It's going to be said you're schizophrenic and you're not able to focus on reality. You may have to be restrained or even detained. But there's somewhat the same thing, isn't there, in our hearing all these different voices in the world around us? It makes us spiritually schizophrenic, if you will, keeping us from focusing on our own spiritual reality and also keeping us restrained and detained from being the people that each of us was created to be. Because frankly, there are lots of voices out there calling to us in our lives. It's so easy for God's voice to be drowned out. Not unlike this.
1: Hey, sorry, but I'm raising the rent this month. Sorry, but I'm raising the rent this month. That report needs to be on my desk first thing Monday morning. First thing. Mom, I'm moving in with Greg this week. Sorry. Mom, I'm moving in with Greg this week. Mrs. Johnson, your father's not doing well. Mrs. Johnson. Mom, I'm moving in with Greg this week. uh, Hey, sorry, Claude. That report needs to be on my desk first thing. Mom, I'm moving in with Greg this week. Mrs. Johnson, your father's not doing well. Mom, I'm moving in with Greg this week. Mom, I'm moving in with Greg this this week.
0: Mrs. Johnson, as you saw there, the rent was being raised, her work assignment was due first thing Monday morning, and uh, her daughter was suddenly moving out and in with some guy, and her father's failing health was not getting any better, was getting the best of him and getting the best of her. And so all of those things teamed together. Those voices were suddenly louder than God's voice was in her life. Same thing happens to us. So how do you really hear God's voice? Well, surprisingly, it actually has something to do with how we are wired because, frankly, all of us are wired in kind of a a different way. And some of us, when we hear about God's voice, uh, we literally want to hear God speak to us audibly in this way. It's the Lord. But not all communication is verbal. For instance, when your spouse gives you that look, you know exactly what they're saying. And when your dog is sitting in its empty dish and gives you that look, you know exactly what he's saying. And audio books are kind of prevalent this day, but if you read any book an old-fashioned way, there's no spoken audio in it, but you can definitely hear the author's voice in your mind, depending on the book, even in your heart or your spirit. It's the same way with God. God can definitely speak to you and does speak to you without using any audio communication at all and you just have to receive that nonverbal communication in the same way you do from your spouse, your dog, your favorite author. So why in the world do we not hear God as he's constantly communicating with us? Well, frankly, it's because we're not tuned in. You can't just jump in your car, spin the dial, and hope that you hear the radio station that you really want to hear because it doesn't work that way. First, you've got to tune into the station and precisely into it. Otherwise, you won't be able to hear it. Although we understand that and we accept that when it comes to communication in our cars, we sometimes don't get the same thing when it comes to God. And So what we want to do today is talk about how we tune into God. Not so we can hear him audibly, but so we can hear God within, within like we do our spouse, our dog, our favorite author, without him audibly speaking a word to us. It's the same thing with God. Because the most important factor in your future is learning how to hear the voice of God. Why is that? Actually, there's three very pronounced reasons. Being able to hear the voice of God affirms your belief in God and binds you to Him. In fact, John 10, 27, the Living Bible says, My sheep recognize my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This is really important for us because somehow we have some of the same qualities of sheep. Like sheep, we too get confused from time to time. You take a sheep out of its routine, out of its location, it gets completely lost, and frankly, it kind of freaks out. The same thing happens with us when things in our lives don't go expected or things in our lives get turned upside down. So sheep need a guiding, steadying, safe, comforting presence in their life. Shepherd's voice is that for them, even if they can't see him. It's the same for us with God. Hearing God's voice is how we can know him and follow him, which is God, our shepherd's deepest desire for us. Being able to hear the voice of God affirms your belief in God and binds you to him is the first thing that hearing God's voice does for us. Here's the second thing. Hearing God's voice protects us from mistakes, and I'm going to illustrate this. I have a 20-year-old hot tub that I love getting in every morning, very first thing is I hop out of bed, spending at least an hour in it, praying and listening to God, reading my Bible along with devotional guides on my phone in a waterproof case. Now, a few months ago, my local hot tub store said, hey, we've got a hot tub just like yours, but it's eight years newer. And so it's exactly the same, except it has a feature that yours doesn't have. It's really convenient. And so I wonder if you'd be interested in it. Once they had it refurbished, I said, yes, and let me know when it's ready. Well, it took about three months, and during that time, I prayed about whether I should get it or not, and I heard God say pretty clearly in my mind and my heart, you don't really need it. After all, you're perfectly happy with the 20-year-old hot tub you have now, and I said back to God, you're right, and so when they call, I'll tell them I don't want it, or I'll go in and look at it, and then I'll tell them I don't want it. So anyway, a couple months passed after that conversation with God. They called. It was ready. So I went in, I looked at it, decided to try it out, which I did, and for some reason said, "I'll take it, even though God told me I really didn't need it." So they delivered the newer hot tub. Next morning, I jump in it, turn on the jets after a few minutes, I look at the dry place where I put my towel, my glasses and my phone in the waterproof case. And that place was completely wet in the new tub. My towel was soaked. My phone was floating in its waterproof case. My glasses, they were completely gone. Well, I freaked out and grabbed my phone, and when I did, somehow I unlocked the waterproof case, thus getting it wet. My glasses I found in the filter system, but all the years of having a cell phone, I never ruined one. Why? Why? Because I got a hot tub that God told me I didn't really need. So as a result, I got a new replacement phone, painstakingly spent hours getting it all set up with all the stuff on it, just like I had it before. And guess what? The new replacement phone wouldn't charge properly. Necessitating, I had to get a second replacement phone, having to go through all those hours of setting that one up over again. So you see, God tried to protect me from making that mistake and going through all that trouble, but sadly, I turned a deaf ear. So the most important factor in your future is learning how to hear the voice of God and not like in my case, but learning to heed the voice of God because firstly, it affirms your belief in God and secondly, hearing God's voice, it protects you from all kinds of mistakes. And thirdly, hearing God's voice is key to having a fulfilling and a productive life. For me, hearing God's voice in that way came through the words of a pastor, affirming me as a volunteer director of a youth ministry, asking if I might like to lead such a ministry part-time, or maybe in the future, perhaps full-time. And that directly led me into ministry and gave me a much more fulfilled and productive life than i had ever mapped out for myself. And more recently, and closer to home right here, our church leaders heard God's voice in guiding us from being a financially unfulfilled and failing small church into our productive, reaching out, helping hands in ministry it goes beyond our church to service others. And in that time since we've been doing this, we've served over 10,000 people beyond our church. Thus, hearing God's voice is key to having the most fulfilling and the most productive life that you can have in ways that you can never see coming. So how do we in our future tune in To hear God's voice. Well, you start with a humble and a submissive heart. What does that mean? Well, the first thing you do is you surrender. And I know what you're thinking. Some of you are going, gee, Bill, I was really into this until you got to that surrender part. Uh, Because we view surrender as having to give up, being captured by an enemy, chained up and restrained. But surrender before God with a humble, submissive heart means just the opposite. Surrender before God doesn't chain you up and restrain you. Instead, it frees you up in some rather amazing and beforehand unforeseen ways. Remember that. Surrender before God doesn't chain you up or restrain you. Instead, it frees you in some rather amazing unseen ways. Let me show you how in the life of Moses. And this happens as he approaches the burning bush in Exodus 3, verses 3 through 5 in the NIV. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are. We're standing in holy ground. And so Moses right there could have said, hey, I'm not buying into what you're selling. And could have gone along his merry way. And frankly, we do just that, don't we? When we fail to surrender to God, we keep our shoes on. We keep walking in the way that we've been walking. But Moses said, okay, let me alter my walk here just a little bit. Take off my shears and hear what you have to say. And so this happens next in Exodus 4, 2 through 4 in the NIV. Then the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake. He ran from it. And then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached down, took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Obviously, that's a very strange thing. But the key to this very strange thing is Moses' staff. Because something dead here becomes alive. Because Moses' staff here represented his identity as a shepherd. It was who he was. Secondly, his staff represented Moses' provision, his income. And the number of sheep he had represented his wealth. Thirdly, his staff represented his influence over his sheep, prodding and guiding them. And also, the number of sheep he had influenced how others saw and understood him. And so God says to Moses, I want you to lay down your staff. Thus, lay down your identity your provision, income, your, your influence. I want you to give it to me. And if you give it to me, I will make it, and those things in your life come alive. In fact, I'll do miracles with your staff and those things in your life if you give it to me and if you lay it down. And so as we said a few minutes ago, surrender before God doesn't chain you up and restrain you. Instead, it frees you in some rather amazing and unseen ways. And God is saying the same thing to you and to me today. What's your identity? What's your provision income? What's your influence? And no matter how great or small those things are, God says, If you will lay them down before me, I will make them come alive in some amazing unseen ways. Now, in this little story, God speaking to Moses, is one of the most important in all history. Because it led to the exodus from Egypt, the Ten Commandments... The nation of Israel, the gift of the Messiah, the cross, the resurrection, the church, it's a pivotal point in history. Now to the pivotal point in your history, just what is in your hand? God says, I will make it come alive in some rather amazing and unforeseen ways in your life. Now Moses laying his staff down led to all these miracles. The first was the plague in Egypt of the Nile turning red, and then nine other ones followed, set the Israelites free. Moses holds his staff up at the Red Sea, and it parts and divides the sea. Moses hit a rock at Moriah, and what came out of it was water. And that water satisfied the thirst of more than a million Jews. And all began with the question, Moses, what's in your hand? And for you and me, we too need to lay down our identity, our provision, income, our influence. And God says, if you do... I will make those things come alive. But please understand the voice of God from Moses begins with his willingness to submit, to surrender, to yield his identity, his income, his influence to the glory of God. And when you do that, like Moses, you are moving yourself into a position to hear God. And here are a couple more things to tune into for hearing God. And the first is... Know that God cares about the details of your life. Matthew 10, 30 in the New Century Version puts it like this. God even knows how many hairs are on your head. Now for some of us, the number may be fewer than for others, but none of us have any idea what that number could be. But God knows every hair on your head as well as its original color. But there's nothing, nothing in your life that God doesn't know about you or care about you because God created you and God loves you. So to hear God speech and training our ears, believe that God cares about every detail of your life because God loves you and love pays attention. He's never going to love you any less than he does right now. He's never going to love you more than what he does right now. And there's nothing you can do to make God not love you. So know that God cares about the details of your life. Secondly, No, God wants to respond to your needs and cares and questions. But to do so, we have to first ask. As James 1.5 in the Living Bible tells us, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. And he will gladly tell you, for he's always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. He will not resent it. But if you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to tell you over and over and over again in the New Testament God says to ask ask and it shall be given seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened again and again God says ask God's more willing to talk to you than you are to tune your spiritual ears his way to hear him and so how do you hear the voice of God you have a humble submissive heart you surrender your identity provision influence to him knowing he could do something unexpected and unforeseen if you do. But also know that God cares deeply about you and the details of your life, and that God wants to respond to your needs, your cares, and your questions. And with that said, the model for our hearing God speaks to us comes from a little-known book in the back of the New Testament called Habakkuk. Now, it's important for you to know what Habakkuk says here, because when you get to heaven, I don't want you to be embarrassed. I don't want Habakkuk to come up to you and say, Hey, how'd you like my book? And you blurt out, Oh, Mr. Habakkuk, I didn't even know you were in the Bible. That would be embarrassing. But in Habakkuk, we see the model for hearing God. And these are five things you can do to hear the voice of God in your life. We see it in Habakkuk 2, 1, and 2 in the New Century Version, which says, I will climb my watchtower and wait to see what the Lord will say. The Lord gave me this answer. Write down clearly. What I reveal to you so that it can be read at a glance. You see, Habakkuk succinctly models five steps for hearing God. And these will become second nature to you if you start following them. Step one is you withdraw. In other words, you pull back to a quiet place. Habakkuk says, I will climb my watchtower and thus get alone there. You see, you can't hear God's voice if you're constantly surrounded by noise in your life. The Bible tells us Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place to speak with God and to pray. and often means it was a habit. Do you have that habit? Frankly, some of us may be uncomfortable with being quiet and being alone. And so we turn on the radio or the television or the computer, we pick up our cell phones, and then we're no longer alone. But to hear the voice of God, you have to remove every distraction possible. And so for Habakkuk, that happened in him climbing in his watchtower. First, you withdraw. Secondly, you wait. And Habakkuk says it clearly: I will wait. That means I calm my thoughts, I calm my emotions, because being uncalm and filled with emotions is the death of prayer and communication with God. In other words, God, I need your help. I need an answer. I need it right now because I have someplace to be. That's not going to cut it. You're not going to hear the voice of God. You have to withdraw and you have to wait. God speaks to those who take the time to listen. And in waiting, you calm your body, you calm your mind, you calm your emotions. A guide to doing that we see in David in Psalm 46.10. He says, be still and know that I am God. And in terms of which we can understand this best today in our frantic-paced world, and please don't take offense to this, but we have to sit down and shut up. Thus, to be still. And until you get comfortable with silence... You're just going to struggle. You can struggle and struggle to hear the voice of God. You see, inner calm gives you the inner calm to God. Your inner calm creates the inner calm, creates the channel to you hearing the voice of God in your life. And so for me, I try to move when God touches my heart to move. And when God touches my heart to wait, I wait. I go slow when God touches my heart to go slow. And when God touches my heart to go fast, I go fast. And God's going to touch your heart in all those ways if you'll just tune your heart and your spiritual ears to Him. It's not that hard if you seek Him in this way. I know, too, some of us have trouble with this terminology thing, like... Hearing God speak. In fact, someone in our small group this week said, you know, I've never understood that. Why don't people just say, God touched my heart with that? Because that I understand. So please, as we're talking about this today, whether it's saying hearing God speak, hearing God's voice, or feeling God touch your heart, it's all the same thing. It's all about God communicating something very specific and very personal to you. So don't let terminology hang you up. And again, it's not hard once you learn how to do it. You withdraw. You wait in silence. You can't force it. It takes time. Thirdly, Habakkuk says, I will look to see what the Lord says. And for us, this means I will look to see what God says both in my heart and in his word, the Bible. Sometimes when I withdraw and I don't hear God's voice come into my head or heart, so I'm just waiting there and waiting there on and on and on. And that's not really the way to go. At those times, stop waiting for a voice and start looking for a verse. I'm amazed at how often God speaks to me from His Word about the very thing that's on my heart and my mind. And often His words like a springboard, which seems to open up that inner calm, that channel to hear God speak. So I withdraw to a quiet place. I wait, calming my thoughts and my emotions. And I look to see what God has to say in my heart and my Word. Then step four... I make a clear note of what insights I receive. In the back of God says, write down clearly what you receive. And, of course, you can do that quite literally. Write it down with pen and paper, and that's called journaling. Some people really like to do that. You journal your journey with God. While some of us prefer to make mental notes that we hold very dearly and that stick with us. I'm in the second category. When God speaks to me, I make a very, very strong mental note, and I go over and over and over it again until it becomes naturally a part of me. And that's the fifth part of hearing the voice of God. You make a clear note of what God says to you, That is, Habakkuk said, it can be read at a glance, that is, it can be noticed in a moment, and then, like me, you go over and over and over it again until it becomes part of you. Now, the Christian music group Casting Crowns has a song that's titled Voice of Truth. It talks about choosing to listen and to believe the voice of God in your life and tuning your spiritual ears. Listen to the closing words of this song.
1: And the voice of truth says this is for my glory. out of not
0: Don't you listen and believe the voice of truth, God's voice of truth. Because it isn't like listening to a coworker on the job. It isn't like listening to your spouse's voice across the dinner table. It's not like listening to a friend's voice when you're out on the lake. Listening to God's voice is a whole other thing. But just as it takes time to listen to your co-worker, to listen to your spouse, to listen to your friend, it takes time to hear the voice of God. So withdraw. Away from all those other noises in your life and wait, calming your thoughts, your emotions, your body, and listen for His voice in your heart and mind. Listen for His voice in His Word of Scripture. Take note what you hear God say, recording it very clearly in your mind or on paper, and then review what God says to you often until it becomes just naturally a part of you. And that's what it means to choose to listen and believe God's voice of truth in your life. Will you pray with me? Great God, we just thank you so much for your continued love for us, knowing every detail about our lives far beyond what we know about ourselves. And the fact that, Father, you do want to be in conversation with us about those things in our lives. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to embrace what you've shown us this morning that we would just decide that we're going to take some time every day, Father, but at least several times a week, Father, that we would just get alone, that we would wait and calm ourselves and our emotions, all those voices in our heads, so we would hear what you have to say to us in our hearts and our minds and also through your word, Father. And as we receive those things from you, Father, help us to record them on paper or in our minds so that we can go over and over and over and again, Father, so in that way you can become a part of us. Thank you, Father, for your word. And thank you, Father, for the opportunity to know you more and to hear your voice as you speak it and as you communicate it to us in our lives. Again, we thank you for that in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.